Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. And I'm Clint Jones. And today, we're talking about Back for Blood. It was developed by Turtle Rock Studios and published by Warner Brothers Interactive. The game was released for Xbox Series X and S, the PlayStation 4 and 5, Xbox One, and, of course, Windows here in 2021. And I have a lot of fond memories of Left 4 Dead 2, which this is a very, very obvious spiritual sequel put out by the same studio. So why not give it a shot? Yeah, I'm proud of you for saying the right title in in the intro. (laughs) Goddamn, if I have not screwed up calling this Left 4 Dead at least like five times. Pretty much the whole time we were playing it, we were calling out the old names of the old villains. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, it wasn't, uh, I certainly don't, call the hawker the stalker the exploder the bruiser no 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 those were definitely boomers and spitters <laughs> and yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah so um they, they clearly pulled on a lot of uh, old archetypes here and it worked for me because you know i have a lot of i have a really strong like memory of playing this game with former college roommates and post-college roommates and friends uh lots of good co-op action had with the left for dead series for me yeah, but this was a series I was a huge fan of. Um, I think Left 4 Dead came out more than a decade ago, but it kind of um, it was something new on the market for me, at least. Uh, I'd never seen a four-player co-op strategy thing like uh, Left 4 Dead was, so I was all over it when um, Heard Back for Blood was a spiritual successor here. Same, and I think the the muscle memory just about came through perfectly. Like you said. Th- they changed just enough to not get sued by Valve or whoever <laughs> it was that they worked with last time. But it was clearly all the same stuff. They, they tweaked it enough to make it modern, but it was definitely, if you love those old games, you're going to love this one too. Yeah, I, I would agree with that, generally speaking, especially if you're coming into it looking for co-op action. Um, yeah. But it, it, you mentioned you know not to get sued, which the, this history here I, I did a little bit of looking into, and it is kind of interesting. Like Turtle Rock, creators of Left 4 Dead, put that out you know way back in, what, 2000 seven or so something like that 2008 um mm-hmm. but the studio was actually acquired by valve in 2008 and then refounded as an independent company um by some of the original uh developers there so somewhere in there they put out evolve which i don't know if you guys remember evolve but it was terrible uh, yeah sort of a like uh asymmetrical multiplayer game and it had a pretty bumpy ride with that one as far as i can tell it wasn't really that successful yeah, I bought it and I played it, and it, I lost interest in about a day or two. Like there, I don't know. It just never turned into anything. Yeah, it's one of those like I feel like everyone was trying to be like the it online multiplayer game at that point. Like Team Fortress was you know riding high, and everyone just sort of wanted to be like the the game as a service multiplayer game for a while there, and no one yeah. succeeded. <laughs> I'm really glad that they reestablished themselves too, because sadly Valve has become the place where good games go to die. I never thought I would say that. <laughs> ten, ten years ago, I'd be like, that's not true. Valve is great. Yeah. Valve, is, Valve just slings games anymore. They don't give a shit about creating good games, I don't feel like, anymore. So I'm glad they were able to get something out. Well, the old old giants are all falling by the wayside. Like Blizzard used to make good games too, and what job? Uh, well, I mean, the, the problem is, these games are beca- or these companies are becoming big conglomerates that own all our favorite IP, and then they just sit on them. Like, if you're not going to do something with it, get that stuff back out in the market so somebody else can do it at least. Yeah, yeah, it's tough because everyone just sort of seems to be hoarding 
mm-hmm. IP and things like that. And I guess the only option is to try and figure out and, and put out something new, which, yep. uh, yeah, I, I'm, I'm game for that. Give me something new. I think the most hilarious thing about the original IP uh, that Turtle Rock created for this is that they never call them zombies in this game. They call them Ridden instead. Like, I imagine there's some lawyer cowering behind his desk somewhere saying, no, don't call them zombies, anything but that. It's too close. Actually, there's a, there's a well, you can see this little, like, uh, post-it note up on the wall it says don't use the z word like <laughs> it's like in, in one of the the opening sequence areas so yeah you're probably right they probably couldn't make a quote-unquote zombie game this is definitely different yeah wink, wink. definitely wink. oh different. yeah totally totally uh i mean they definitely didn't just file off the serial numbers on that one no. um <laughs> but uh for for those that care which comprise i'd imagine zero percent of this podcast the backstory here is that a parasite called the devil worm which is implied to be extraterrestrial in origin, infects most of humanity, turning them into vicious mutants called... N- z- z- oh, sorry, the Ridden. Um, not zombies. <laughs> Definitely not zombies. Um, the Z anything but that. Yeah. That's funny, because I've beaten the game all the way through twice, and I didn't know anything about that plot. So you're right. Nobody gives a shit. <laughs> Just get in there and start shooting. That's the point. Yep. Hey, but it had to be said, so here, here sure. I'm saying it. <laughs> cool. So I'm you're, glad we you're, filled in those plot holes. I mean, zombie movies, zombie games are traditionally not placing a large importance on the plot of what's going on. So no. it fits in in that way. You know, here's things to shoot. Shoot them. Don't feel bad about it. Don't overthink it. Yeah. And, and I think this is very, that, that's definitely present in this game. And I'm here. Like, I'm, I'm good for that. Um, I think one slight difference in this game, which sort of did... Uh, leak into like the the feel of the game is that you're a group called the cleaners you're not just like random survivors that you're finding along the the roadside you're sort of meant to be like the seal team of zombie survivors (laughs) like you go in and you actually do stuff for like the military or something yeah instead of finding i feel like most zombie stories are about finding other survivors getting together and establishing society that's already happened in this game so you're kind of have a base of operations i mean it's not major but there are a bunch of survivors that have come together and then you're going out trying to better the situation in some way. You're like the, yeah, basically the, the forward team. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're the vanguard. I did like that you would find other NPCs in the, the levels you were playing. Like there were people out there to go out and rescue. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that they did a, they did a good job of sort of characterizing like the area around your little base in finleyville pennsylvania or whatever it was but it um it did a uh it it was nice how you sort of always started at that base you would go out you start to get a feel for like oh what's north of the base what's south of the base east west etc yeah but without too much repetition i remember there's a couple times you're like wait a minute haven't we played this this? level before (laughs) yeah sort of and and they only repeat that little bit and then all of a sudden you're quickly off onto new things which is kind of cool you're right it gives you that familiarity and it makes you feel like you have a base of operations but they don't rest on that too much yeah it, it felt like uh it, it felt confusing only for the first time i saw it and then i was like oh i get it we're actually like you know learning about the area which which i appreciated um yeah. but I, what do you guys think about the cleaners themselves you know you have sort of the I, we had a few that we each always sort of gravitated towards i always played evangelo he's sort of the optimistic 
uh, himbo, uh, very <laughs> <laughs> overly enthusiastic. <laughs> yeah, I was always Walker. I know you had complaints about like some of the dialogue, but you picked the dorkiest dude, I so did. I think that's, that's, I think that's on you. <laughs> Walker was pretty much a like straight-laced, wasn't going to say much, kind of like the standard military dude, which I was fine with him. Yeah. And then I was always mom or doc. Or I did play uh, the... Um, the guy with the vest at the end, the ammo bonus dude. Hoffman. 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 Yeah. He had some of the funniest dialogue. I played as him. Like, he's like your standard doomsday prepper, <laughs> fat old white guy that was like super excited that this had finally happened, that he finally <laughs> gets to go out and use all his stuff. <laughs> I've been training my life for this. <laughs> yeah. I hear you on like that, you know, some of these characters are obviously more well written than other. And it might, to your point, just be the fact that I played with Evangelo, but I did think the banter in this was just like so bad compared to Left 4 Dead 2, which was really generally pretty good. Like it always seemed appropriate. It was always like, you know, well written and funny and well paced. And this, like, I don't know, there's just no charisma on any of the characters that I witnessed in this game. Not that it matters, though, because most of the time was spent in, you know, voice chat, like like you do when you play co-op. Yeah, the important banter is our banter. Fair. fair, fair. <laughs> and there's no banter better than our banter. <laughs> I mean, we're recording it. I don't know why, but we're doing it. So. <laughs> <laughs> hey, there you go. Um, but yeah, I don't know. I just felt like that, that took a step back for me. Like there were a lot of things that took a step forward in this for me compared to Left 4 Dead and for good reason. It's been over a decade, but that, that was one thing that I felt didn't. Um, but yeah, you're going to have that, you know, you can't, you can't have all of the aspects of a game maxed out. You have to pick and choose your battles. I liked some of the other things that they really focused on instead. Like if I remember correctly, Left 4 Dead, they each had like two or maybe four acts. Mm -hmm. They weren't, it wasn't an especially long game. I'll say that. And then every time you played it, it was the same. Like, there was not a whole lot of variation that I remember anyway. So I felt like once you saw it, you pretty much saw it. And that was that. This game, I mean, what were there, 20 levels or more? Yeah. It was a lot. There were a lot of acts. or Well, there were four acts, but there were a ton of levels within those acts. What was it? Something around like 30 overall mini levels that you could immediately yeah. boot into and play. Well, yeah, but those, um, you know, those would be like safe house to safe house. So, right. Yeah. To be fair to Left 4 Dead, it had more than four levels then by that count. Correct, but but this was definitely, I would say, twice the size, if not larger, than than a Left 4 Dead game. I think if you, I guess it's hard. I'm, I'm tr- honestly, I can't really remember, but by the time I came to Left 4 Dead 2, it already had Left 4 Dead 1 built into it. <laughs> so mm, that was gotcha. just an, an absurd like level of content. Um, that's not to say that this couldn't expand to, to reach those heights, but, um, you know, I think there's a lot here to your point and I think it's all pretty varied too. And there are some really good, uh, levels and variety within those levels to, to my point, but to what you were, to, to what you were saying about like where they put their money as far as like what they focused on in this game, I think the combat was way better. Like the gun feel was excellent the amount of different things you could do with the various guns and the customization, and of course the card system. Yeah, as somebody that plays a, like a lot of shooters, like this was super tight gameplay. I think the only tighter gunplay I can even think of in recent memory is Modern Warfare 2019, which is like god tier among you know like FPSs right now. Like this was t- top of the line. They really did a good job of making that feel feel good. So 
they did have a lot of different ways you could customize. I mean, besides just having different guns that could be at different rarity levels, uh, something that I felt was kind of introduced from the looter-shooter genre of games. Uh, stumbling across guns with like, oh, this is a higher level here. Uh, you also had attachments onto them. You could um, add on a silencer or something that extended the range onto the gun. And a lot of different ways to customize how you wanted the gun to go, especially with the um, little shop they had at the beginning of each level. Yeah, and speaking of that real quick, just having played a bunch of other games right now that are you know, doing battle passes or this or that or selling you skins, I can very much appreciate you, Turtle Rock, for not doing any of that shit. Nobody <laughs> tried to sell me a golden skin for my gun. They have all that stuff, but you have to earn it. They didn't try to sell me anything extra, and I, and I really do appreciate that somebody actually put time into thinking about, this is cool, I want you to be able to earn this, instead of, I'm going to sell you this for $5, because I otherwise you're going to have to kill 10 million zombies to get it. It really does surprise me that this game doesn't have a battle pass. It seems yeah. like such an obvious shoe-in for some system, like predatory system like that. And, and not to say, like, battle passes are all bad. Most of them are bad. But not bad. all. <laughs> yeah, I am not a fan of that trend in, in gaming. Uh, but to your point, I definitely appreciate that that is not present here. They're doing a season pass, but it's for new, I believe they're doing new, um, entirely new weapons, entirely new, new levels and new cleaners, new content, like new real like content. real content. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Not just cosmetic content. Correct. Um, <laughs> what will I do about the hats? <laughs> oh, hey. those are hundred dollars. I'm definitely buying a hat. There's, uh, as far as I'm aware, there's a hat stock market on a third-party site that you can buy into and trade. Yeah, it'll be great. Um, Have you guys heard about my new crypto hat coin? Yes, back for blood hat coin. Uh, <laughs> I'm investing heavily. <laughs> We talked a little bit, or I mentioned, I guess we mentioned the cards before um, moving on to the loot. And I think this is the other aspect of the game that really differentiates it from Left 4 Dead. Um, the card system is, there's two sides of that coin. One is you are able to get cards that will give you buffs throughout uh, the course of the game. You earn them over time uh, by doing supply runs. And then also you have the what are the corruption cards? The corruption right. cards that are chosen by the game to affect what types of zombies appear in your given run of a uh, set of missions. Yeah, that's basically the the cards that the game is playing against you. Which, when I first I, I played this pretty much the day it came out, and they weren't super varied. I don't know what was going on, but they weren't super varied those first couple runs I did. But like later on when I was playing with you guys, like they got very, very varied. Can I say that? I think you can. <laughs> it was much. It was it was much different every time, which was kind of cool. Actually, I noticed something when we were playing that I didn't notice when I was playing with Andy, which was uh, play the same level twice. One time it was nighttime. One time it was daytime. That wasn't even something they mentioned. It's just like they do little things to make it feel different every time. Mm -hmm. And some of these corruption cards that get played against you can be um, very game altering. Like everyone loves when birds appear because all of a sudden there's these hot spots you got to avoid. Otherwise, you summon a horde down onto you. Yeah, and then what were the other ones? A lot of times there'd be like special ridden, like or like armored variants or things where if you shoot them in the head, which is something you normally do, they would explode, which causes major problems. Like. Yeah, or there could just be a card that would uh, spawn an entire swarm of, say, Reekers instead of just mm -hmm. a normal swarm. So if you trigger a swarm, you're getting all of a sudden a bunch of special zombies and instead of just the, the basic ones. 
Yeah, they, they were tangible, game-changing elements, not like little things that didn't really matter. They, they would completely alter the way you played a level, probably. Most oh, absolutely, anyway. especially if they like insert a boss. Like an extra right. ogre on a level could completely <laughs> upend like a strategy that you would go into a level. Yeah, that's crazy. We didn't even mention that. <laughs> they, they will drop an entirely humongous boss on you. It's just like, oh, we just felt like you deserve this. Yeah, we, we drew luck. the card. We drew an ace, basically, so now you're screwed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but, you know, you have your own aces to draw. I think there are definitely some stronger uh, cards that you can get from your own character-based supplies than uh, than others. Like, ones that give... I found that ones that give you stamina in order to run away from enemies, that was always really helpful. Mm-hmm. <laughs> stamina and move speed are always useful things to grab onto. Except for that final level, I built a deck specifically for that final boss with like no stamina stuff. It, I finally used all the tanky stuff that they wanted me to try. I don't know, man. There were some good melee builds too that really... That's a good I don't point. Know. There's I, a lot of different ways to play. Yeah, that, that that's something we, we maybe didn't mention is there's a deck building aspect to this too. And I had two or three different decks of cards by the end of our run through the campaign of this. Um, you're continually unlocking more as you go through the campaign because you're getting supply points by playing multiplayer as well. Or supply, yeah, supply points which you use to unlock the cards. But I would, you know, create a, a build for some of the earlier levels, like you said, Clint, where stamina works really well. And then when we're forced to say like hold ground or, um, deal damage, then you build another deck that you can choose for your given characters that'll focus on either damage aspects or melee aspects or health regen aspects, etc. And that's really neat. Like, I think that is, there's a lot more customization there than there ever was in a game like this that I played before. I also liked uh, the progression system, so it wasn't prescribed. Like most of these things, we talked about battle passes earlier, but whatever, you know, you gain levels, you go one to 100, everybody gets the same thing. Here you get three, I mean, they do that at the very beginning. I think the first 10 cards you get, everybody gets. But after that, you get these three categories that you can kind of like spend your money in and you can choose like, I want to go down this path. And once you clear that, you get a whole other thing. Like that might've been a totally different path that I went, that you went, and it kind of makes everybody's... um, the way everybody plays and interacts with the world different. So the teamwork aspect works even better because not everybody's a carbon copy of each other. Yeah, that's a good point. Like you can not only spec via the equipment that you choose, which is also important, but you can spec by the cards that you choose and how they affect that equipment. It's just an extra layer of strategy and, and tactics. And and the higher difficulties, I understand that becomes much more important. You know, we played through on sort of the more basic mode and it became important near the end, but I could see it being like paramount in higher difficulties. Oh yeah. I mean, even by the end of we played it on, I don't know if it's called Recruit Regular or whatever it was. There's no such thing as easy mode in this game. This game is hard. Like, <laughs> yeah. even, even on standard difficulty, I would say Nightmare Mode is probably just damn near impossible. You'd have to have like four people that like really knew their shit uh, mm-hmm. to get through that. But yeah, deck building, I didn't do it in the first act, but by act two, I was already getting into that pretty hard. Uh, you know, as a counter point over here, the, the deck building for me was... Uh, not as much of an attraction as I thought it was going to be when I first heard about it. Like I felt there there weren't a lot of... Um, it felt like the choices, the bonuses that they were giving me were too incremental at times. Like, oh, you get um, 5% more move speed or you get 10% more stamina. And yes, it can add up, but it also... There were a few cards I got that I was excited to play every time. Um, but 
when the corruption cards would come up mid-mission, I never felt like I was adjusting which cards I was going to play in response to the situation. It was just like, oh, which of my favorite cards came up in the hand to deal from? I'm going with those. Yeah, it. I mean, this is a tall ask, but it's not going to be like a standard like roguelike deck builder or even mm. just like, I'm thinking of like <clears throat> not at all. The, the augmentations that you get in something like a Hades where like you... Uh, every change you you take or every power you apply to your weapon or, or what have you really alters the way you're playing like in a meaningful way and this definitely isn't that like you said these are all very incremental changes you're still playing the same basic game you still have the same basic gun mechanics and generally speaking i think that's a good thing because as we said up top those are good <laughs> well as a, another example don't even have to stray out so far field compared to this game compared to the w- weapon attachments those things were huge changed your strategy and they didn't feel piecemeal like instead of having 10 cards what if you got to pick three and you made those ones more powerful yeah sure so i will say i just don't think you went far enough down the tree so you guys played through a single run i went through twice so i had quite a bit more points to to spend Mm -hmm. than you guys did so i bought a lot more cards and i will say the farther you go they become very powerful and you probably need them because by that time they assume like if you've played through this many times you're probably getting ready to play like nightmare mode or veteran mode. And in those cases, I mean, it's some of those cards are like very powerful, but that probably changes down the progression line. That makes sense. And I guess, I guess I kind of wish they didn't hide their light under a bushel so much. Um, Cause that does seem neat. And I'm interested to hear more about like what types of changes and bonuses they would do. But I, I saw like a few that like hinted to that, like one that would basically add like a health regen when you used melee or something like that. Like that's game changing in terms of like how I deal with these mechanics. Yeah. I will say a lot of the super powerful ones came with a uh, downside too. So that would hmm. be like a, it's like a trade off, And that did make it interesting too. Like, so instead of just becoming God tier, you still had to have a strategy and decide like, I can only afford to lose so much on this side to get some of these things. So it kind of became a trade off. Yeah, and and I guess as the game like throws more and different mutated zombies at you, that's what you're you're gonna get. I feel like we don't. Speaking of the zombies, aka the ridden, sorry, the ridden, mm-hmm. not the zombies. <laughs> I feel like we 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 don't need to uh, tm tm tm. Uh, I feel like we don't need to like interrogate like the different types so much because if you have played like a, a Left 4 Dead, you you kind of know what these are. Um, I do feel like there were. A f- some new ones in this game that I I found interesting. I don't remember there being um, a type like the sleeper, which is sort of like a landmine type zombie in this game. You mean the snitch? Oh god, this thing's... No, the the thing that jumped off the wall at you. Yeah. I thought that was an interesting thing, because you had to sort of like notice these passive enemies in the background and then make sure you you detected them before they grabbed you. Um, I think overall, there were just a lot more enemies that uh, disabled or immobilized you, meaning that you really needed to rely on your teammates to be nearby so that you could get out, uh, if you were caught and captured. Uh, I don't know if you guys thought that as well, but that, that was just my sort of gut reaction. Oh, for sure. I mean, this game wants you to play together and it will punish you if you don't. And that's going to really piss some people off, but that's what this game is. If you want to play Call of Duty, go play Call of Duty. If you want (laughs) co-op, this is a co-op game. And, and I feel like a lot of times, a lot of these games like let you off the hook. This one doesn't at all. Like, if you're not playing with friends, you're kind of... Or or just with somebody you're communicating with, you're kind of screwed. I agree with that completely. I think this game really... It really wants you to play multiplayer. Like, to the point where I don't think you can even earn those supply points that I've been referencing if you're not playing multiplayer. Can you even play single player right now? 
Like, I think the campaign's disabled. Um, no, they'll let you play it. But as of the release of the game, it did tick some people off. They said they were going to change it. But I just don't know how you'd beat it. Like, on your own, I can't even... Th- like, I beat it twice. I know exactly where most things are, what you need to do, and I don't think I could manage that myself. And the AI, like, for the, the computers, like, it's okay to a point. But Bot Mom is not going to rescue you um, if you're... no. Josh, <laughs> like, will she's gonna will. let you die. She did it a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I'd much prefer having Josh mom than Bot mom. Bot yeah. mom's cold, man. She's seen some things. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, but that's the thing. Is like, it, it does feel like there's a lot more interactions between you and your teammates in this game than there were in Left 4 Dead. Like, yeah, you can save someone from um, the the liquor or whatever the guy with the long tongue in Left 4 Dead 2 was. But in this game, like you're getting disabling grab type moves like that by every third special mutant, and that'll yeah, there's a few screw for you. sure. And and yep. the AI just isn't ready to deal with it. No, I I don't know about like uh, at least comparing it to Left 4 Dead, like the specials there were disabling as well. Like the charger would um, pin you, you down, the hunter uh, knocks you down, the jockey moves you around. You know, it had that crowd control aspect too. I do yeah. miss the jockey. They did not have a jockey like I hated that guy. <laughs> <laughs> they they, they have one just like a, one of the stalkers would grab you and pull you away. They just didn't like ride you like an insane maniac. <laughs> Crazy zombie monkey. Yeah. To that point, we should talk a little about like the the good zombie or ridden, excuse me, variants that there were in this game. God, we're going to get sued so bad by the time <laughs> we're done with this. Tur- Turtle Rock's <laughs> going to come after us and be like, you've mischaracterized our ridden as zombies. Uh, please. <laughs> please. <laughs> you are hereby subpoenaed. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. The zombie lawyers are coming after us. Um, but yeah. Ridden. God damn it. <laughs> <laughs> the ridden lawyers. Uh, aren't all lawyers ridden to some extent? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, but yeah, I, I think to, to my mind, the big interesting enemies in this game were the ogres. Like that, that was something that I feel like went past the, uh, the hulks from Left 4 Dead in terms of like how disruptive they were to like you getting stuff done. Um, Mm -hmm. they were gigantic. They moved you around the the map. They were really hard to take down. It's like a four story building that can randomly show up in your campaign and you could be on your last leg and you're like, well, I still got to deal with this. So... I guess we die. <laughs> or run. <laughs> yeah, run. Running is always an option. Doesn't always work well, but well, it depends on how you built that deck out. Sometimes you yeah. get away with it. <laughs> Fleet of foot Brian can run past anything. That's right. I do find it funny that one time we were playing with your, your brother, Josh, and we had all clearly specced for running, and he had not. And he immediately <laughs> got left behind in the dust and abandoned. And we, of course, didn't go back for him because, I mean, come on. You can't. Sometimes you just can't. <laughs> and that's the sad right. part. And you guys say bot mom's cold. <laughs> that's true. <laughs> uh, I liked that about this this style of game, though. And this isn't new for this game, but I like that you can just end a level when you get to the safe room and close the door. Um, you know, there's not really, like... A, that In some levels, there's objectives that you need to do before you can do that. But for the most part... A lot of the levels are just like, hey, get here, close the door. If you do that, you're winning. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is all about getting somewhere. I mean, you're right. There, there. It's not that every time, but there are a lot of traversal maps. But there are also some really cool, like, stay here and do something, like the armory where you got to go do stuff or the saving the survivors here or there. Like, we talked about it earlier, but they really could have just made this kind of copy-paste for a lot of content. I felt like almost every single mission had something going on that wasn't anything like the others. 
I really, I think my favorite memory of playing this game was me and you defending the jukebox as Black Betty <laughs> by Ram Jam played in the background. Of course, a cover of that because who's going to license that song in this day and age? Yeah, but, man, uh, that, was, that was a really good one. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, if you uh, swung through Columbus like five to seven years ago, you could probably see me and Clint rocking out uh, Black Betty in a different context. But this was, yeah. <laughs> it, to my mind, pretty pretty fun as well. Like, uh, I, I, they they really did a good job with some of the set pieces in this game and that one stuck out as very memorable to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and it made me sad too because we replayed that level a couple times with other people and never replayed that song. And that <laughs> that song rocked the hardest, so I'm really glad we had that moment. Yeah, <laughs> we won. That was the only time I've ever won yeah. that mission. <laughs> like, um, or rather, won it to the full, basically to set up the context. You're um, a distraction. You're set to a bar to basically hold the point. And there's a jukebox in there, which is going to trigger all the swarms to come down on you. And the longer you can keep the jukebox playing, a.k.a. defend it from the ridden, the better you do on the mission. And the only time we successfully defended it was me and Clint rocking out to uh, Black Betty. (laughs) Which I thought was a Leonard Skinner song because I'm an idiot, I guess. Whoops. Ram Jam. Come on. Know your hair metal. (laughs) I guess. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, the, there was there was cool set pieces, and the, there were missions in between that weren't as like iconic. But all of them, I, I never got bored with any of them. I'll say that. And like I said, I played it twice, so it was all about who you're playing it with, which is I think just the whole focus of the entire game. Yeah, absolutely. It's a a co-op game through and through. Doesn't want to be anything else. Uh, doesn't really work well as anything else, to be honest. No, and that's but, fine. As long as yeah. your marketing's good and you're explaining what you're all about. I'm fine for a focused experience. Like yeah. there will be people that got pissed off. They're like, I wanted to solo this. Like, well, you bought That's the, the wrong, wrong game, thing. you know? Yeah. The sad part is I am generally that person. Like I am the guy that just wants to solo it. Like I, 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 I I'm not a huge multiplayer game guy. Uh, I'm fine to do like co-op experiences, not really big into competitive multiplayer, not even that big into co-op multiplayer. Um, it's an easy way to make a game. That's not that great fun is to make it co-op. Uh, is, is sort of my opinion on the thing. But I, you know, in this particular situation, like, I had a lot of fondness for the history here. I was glad to have played this with you guys. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I think sure. it's got a, a greater level of care. Like you said, sometimes they almost lean on the co-op too much. Mm-hmm. I feel like they have a solid game. Yeah. It's just, yeah. you got to co-op it to play it. Yeah. <laughs> Agreed. Not everyone's play styles. You know, Clint, you were talking a little bit earlier about uh, playing through missions again, and you know, towards the end, there were the missions that we failed at and had to replay. Uh, one of the th- ways that the game does that is through this game director, a sort of AI that is supposed to manage the pacing of the game and be like, okay, here's a bunch of enemies, now here's a little breathing period. Here's a bunch more enemies, oh, here's a health pack that appears in this room here, so you can get a little bit back up. It's supposed to Manage that ebb and flow, uh, something that the original Left 4 Dead did very well, I think. And this game had one of those two, but I feel like it wasn't quite as uh, expertly timed as the original Left 4 Dead had. I will say this is something that they're definitely improving. So I played through this with Andy pretty much at launch. And then I played this with you guys. What, like, was it a, a few weeks later. later? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It had already been vastly improved. Um there were some times where me and Andy were like severely just tormented by the game. Like too many things went wrong 
and nothing went right. I feel like more often than not when we were playing, like a lot of things would go wrong, but then just enough would go right that we could make it through. Like I don't remember ever with you guys failing a mission more than two or three times tops. Mm-hmm. Like even the hard ones. I felt like we really had it together. Yeah, I, I hear you on that. And I think, Josh, to your point, like I, I do think the game the game is able to do this okay at this point like adding the health packs where they're needed um making you have that moment of what the hell which i remember saying multiple times as we (laughs) made our way through levels like they they really do know like they have a good timing as to when to pile it on and make you feel overwhelmed but Mm -hmm. then you know take the foot off the gas at the right moment but to your point that's not always going to be perfect and i actually watched a really interesting talk or at least part of it about um uh the writing and the dialogue that how they made that prompt so much more well-timed and accurately in left for dead as compared to what they're doing in this game i don't know if they're doing the same thing but basically they they tagged certain sort of conversations to like if you're in this type of experience or this happens then trigger these dialogue scenes and i feel like that is lacking in this game right like they say stuff as you make your way through the level but it's not as it doesn't feel as well-timed for some reason as it did in left for dead in terms of, I, I agree, like the game director wasn't as good as the AI director was in Left 4 Dead. But I think part of that is it's harder to create a good game director in this one um, because you don't more have variables. the same. Yeah, you have more variables yeah, it's widely than the players. Variable. I mean, like you have a, um, a player who's at half health but uh, they have like a plus 10% speed or plus 10% damage card. If you're on path A or B, like which one's better here? It's much harder to reason with as a game designer. And thus it's harder to make a good director that has that. I mean, I remember the original director being like so tight with that pacing. That was one of my favorite things about that game. But then again, you had to play those same levels the same way every time. And I think this is trying to be like a longer living thing. And I'll, I'll, I'll give up some of that bespoke uh, planning for a little more variable and, and like longer enjoyment out of the game. I'm, I'm with you. I think that that is a conscious decision. And I'm, I'm, I'm okay with the fact that they made it, even if like we can critique one aspect of it being weaker as a result. They, they know what they're going for. And it's not that bespoke experience in like... Um, well-written charismatic characters it's just um, a lot more variety a lot more mechanical expertise a lot more variety of mechanical like interaction with how you're getting through the levels and i think that that's okay that's a good that's a good pendulum to swing around Mm -hmm. for sure and since we're talking about variance and how things play out different times again my two playthroughs there were things that were similar but nothing felt exactly the same i'll say that so so I, I think there's one thing that we have not yet talked about, and it's the um, the PvP multiplayer aspect, which I think that you're <laughs> the only one of us that even bothered to check this out. <laughs> so yep. yeah, I, I don't know if you want to explain it, but I can say like back on Left 4 Dead 2, like this was a significant aspect of the game that I played a lot of in that game. Like the um, uh, zombies versus survivors mode in that game was something that I spent quite a bit of time with in the college and slightly post-college years but i did not even touch it in this game and we should say we're saying zombies versus survivors uh they there are humans playing the zombies and humans playing the survivors in both back then and now yeah the way this one plays out is like you have a a team of four humans playing the survivors and then you have i believe another team of four playing uh special ridden and then in the midst of all that it's pretty much a horde mode so 
Uh, the idea here is that all the common zombies will keep coming in, in hordes, and then you play as the special ones trying to you know impact the players in, in some specific way, slowly whittling them down till they die. And I think the whole idea here was just who can last the longest. You're never supposed to get through. It's just you survive for five minutes, they survive for three, you win. That's that's basically it. And and while it's it's nice, if I wanted to play PvP, there's just a million better games to play <laughs> PvP on. This is a great uh, what's this PVE right? Player versus environment. Yeah. So it's yeah. asynchronous or a uh, asymmetrical, right? Like it, this Turtle Rock tried to get in on this with uh, what was that game we mentioned? About? Evolve. Evolve. Yeah. That was like their big thing. Was like, hey, that pve thing in left 4 dead 2 was really hot we should try and expand on that and it totally flopped and now they're like all right let's try it again in in back for blood and i don't even know if it was a success or not because i didn't play it but i appreciate the try (laughs) it it didn't suck it was just like this isn't what i came here for it's cool that you like you got it you miss every shot you don't take like Mm -hmm. (laughs) they were probably they put it out there they clearly didn't spend so much time on it that it took away from other aspects of of the main game so I'm cool with a try. Maybe they'll improve Maybe it. Maybe they'll throughout. build it out, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. We'll see. I'm assuming they had to gauge interest, and you can't gauge interest until you put it in people's hands. So, And that's the thing. is like there is something there. Like uh, asymmetrical multiplayer like is fun um, in certain aspects or in certain situations and scenarios. Like I, I, There are fun games like that. But, I mean, think of like D&D. That is the classic asymmetric, asymmetrical <laughs> multiplayer game. <laughs> mm-hmm. But, um, yeah, I just don't feel like they've gotten there yet with this one. I think the hard part is uh, there's a big learning curve to multiplayer games. And the more rules you have, the less likely people are going to be willing to work past that curve. Because it's extremely disheartening when you jump into a game and you just get beat the shit out of like forever and ever. And again, if you're playing like a Halo or a Call of Duty, you at least understand point gun, shoot. That's what I got to do. And here you got to learn, okay, what do I need to be doing as a survivor? And then on the flip side of that, which is even more of a learning curve, which ridden do I pick? What are their special moves? When can I use it when? And if you don't use it right, I mean, it's very specific. So if you're not willing to work through it, you're going to lose a lot of people. Especially with the asymmetric nature of it. Like uh, you could think of the campaign, the solo four friends going through a level together as the training mode for what you're supposed to do with the survivors in different situations and then be like, hey, what messed us up the most? And then try to do that, learn to do that as the infected. Um, I hope this game does well with that multiplayer part of that. I I could see that being their um, bread and butter, maybe even more so than the campaign. Well, it was in Left 4 Dead 2, at least for me. Like, I feel like that, and, and I think there's even a competitive scene for Left 4 Dead 2 with that uh, Survivor versus um, Zombies mode. And I don't know, it, it, you're, you hit on something there, Clint, with like how much of a learning curve there is for all of this. And I feel like there's such like a vocabulary around multiplayer games being built up between like Fortnite and Apex and now Call of Duty, um, Call of Duty's... Um, Warzone? Yeah, Warzone, thank you. Um, and sort of like building up this common vocabulary between like games that people who want to play those types of games are able to bring between them is definitely like something that shouldn't be underestimated in terms of how games evolve because i feel like if we're not getting it at this point we're probably going to get it even less going forward <laughs> hmm. oh, it's funny you mentioned fortnite and apex i think the multiplayer the pvp is designed in that kind of arena style thing where 
you're the group of survivors, you can explore a wide area, and then as time goes down, it narrows and it narrows. Hmm. I'm, I'm glad, like, they're making these types of niche games and, and continuing to sort of, like, explore this space. But it's definitely just going to play to a more and more specific audience over time. Um, yep. Which is fine, you know? Um, if there's really dedicated fans and they like it and they continue to like it, then go with God. <laughs> yep, it was solid. They clearly put some work into it. It just wasn't for me. I moved back to the campaign almost immediately, so. Yeah. It's there if we ever want to revisit it again. Who knows? Time will tell. With that, let's uh, resist the horde and summon our thoughts in a three-word review. All right, my three-word review for this game is Wrong Lessons Learned. When Left 4 Dead was released in 2008, it was a revolution in co-op shooters. It had great level design and mechanics, but the true innovation was their movification of a zombie game. From the movie poster-esque campaign selection screen to the director AI that expertly managed pacing, playing Left 4 Dead felt like you were in a gripping blockbuster. Thirteen years later, Back 4 Blood tries to pick up where Left 4 Dead 2 left off. I feel like the develop- developers learned the wrong lessons in the intervening years. Instead of making a movie-like co-op shooter, they focused on making an interesting multiplayer PvP experience. Many of their design choices, uh, looter shooter guns, the possibilities offered by cards and builds, the varied classes of the mutated zombies, are made there to make the PvP deeper and more engaging. However, optimizing the design space for PvP makes the gameplay foundation weaker. Um, With cards providing so much variability to the player's stats, it's hard to create a director AI that knows a player's strength. The campaign levels lack the perfect pacing that was the signature of Left 4 Dead. The variety of guns makes them less legible, and game gunplay feels looser as a result. Lots has been learned about game design in the last 13 years, but the developers unfortunately lost sight of the bones that made the original so magical. You know, I agree with a lot of those points. I want to say one thing, though. Um, I feel like there's not that much of the original Turtle Rock left of the team that put out Left 4 Dead, right? Like, well, that's fair. <laughs> that's 13 so, years. It's its own thing. <laughs> yeah, this isn't Left 4 Dead 3. People thought it might be, but that's not what it is. It's its own uh, thing. I, I agree with that. And and with that, I, I don't really want to treat this as a sequel, which is why my three-word review is Satisfying Soulless Successor. I want to start off by saying that Back for Blood is an extremely satisfying game to play and is very competently done as far as gunplay and mechanics go. But when I put it next to the Left 4 Dead characters and the world uh, of Left 4 Dead, Back for Blood is just a black hole of charisma from which no fun can escape uh, when compared to those memorable and well-written characters of Left 4 Dead. That being said, from a mechanical perspective, there's nothing but upside from my perspective and that most of the time I spend with these types of games, I appreciate mechanical proficiency over writing, given that I'm just talking on voice chat anyway. I think this is a fair trade-off. My recommendation is as follows. If you have a group to play with, Back for Blood will give you the same rush that Left 4 Dead 2 provided over a decade ago with a few mechanical improvements to boot. But if you're playing alone and looking for the same level of charm and writing, it can feel a bit soulless in comparison. A satisfying, yet soulless successor. My three word is team building exercise. So <laughs> Back for Blood is a strong cooperative experience that doesn't always seem fair if you're trying to go at it alone, kind of like you guys mentioned. It really forces you to rely on others to get out alive. 
Now, some people might find this super frustrating, but I think it's one of the game's biggest strengths. If you want a solo FPS experience, there's plenty of other games that you should definitely be playing instead. But if you're looking for some fun with friends, this game provides a very rewarding feeling of overcoming the overwhelming odds through teamwork, cooperation, and communication. And if we're being honest, the lone wolf mentality is kind of king these days, even mm -hmm. in team-based multiplayer games. Games like Battlefield that were originally designed to be you know, tight squad-based mechanics are almost as much of a free-for-all as the Battle Royales we were talking about earlier. Back for Blood stands in stark counterpoint to those games. We're used to being served lately, and it's not shy about punishing people that don't play well together, and it greatly rewards those that find a way to work together. It's not a game for everyone, but I played through with a couple different friend groups, like I said, with, with you guys and with Andy, and I can say that facing impending doom and the zombie apocalypse together was a lot of fun and a great team build, building exercise, so eat your heart out. Trust falls. <laughs> <laughs> it was I a lot of fun it. playing with you guys. Yeah. And I think that's all it is. It's just a platform for people to hang out. It's, it's, it's a virtual bar and something to do to sit around with your friends and bullshit. And it I even has a virtual that. jukebox. Are, yeah. are, are we saying that Back for Blood is the metaverse? <laughs> no, because then I would hate it. I mean, can I lobby for them to be the metaverse instead of Facebook? Because, yes. Yes. I don't want to live in Ready Player One, so. For, for our money, Back for Blood is the metaverse. Facebook, go to hell. God. Uh, <laughs> all right. And with that, thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this podcast, then feel free to share it with folks you think might enjoy it as well. If you want to get in touch, drop us a note at pixelatedplaygrounds at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at pixelplaypod. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skersha. I'm Josh Galecki. And I'm Clint Jones. Take care and keep on gaming just not in the metaverse. Fit <laughs> <laughs> to the wolves without Yeah, Josh, it's just a follow-up to your three word. Not that I disagree with you. This was a thumbs up for me, but I think i probably came at it with different expectations than you did i i'm just glad they got to do something new anybody that expected it to be left for dead 3 it's not the same thing and i guess in some ways it would be disappointing i like the way they modernized it personally i, I think doing left for dead again i think in the first two they pretty much said everything they needed to say i don't know what else they would need to do no i hear you i think for me um i have a very i'm very partial to shotguns in zombie games and I felt like the shotgun in this game didn't feel as good as the shotgun in Left 4 Dead. I've actually thought about this a good bit over here. Uh, there's, there was one thing that happened. I think the first rare shotgun I picked up, I was really excited for. But it had the super magnification scope on it. So I was really just <laughs> confused about what I was supposed to do with that. Because long range scope. But the, well, uh, the, well we're, we were talking about how things can be randomized. They don't normally spawn that way, but I had this problem too. And do, yeah. Yeah. I accidentally got this one with, once with an Uzi and a, you know, a sniper scope. I'm like, what the fuck am I supposed to do with this? And I think the game could solve that pretty easily by letting you remove things from guns. Ah, true. True that. I, I'm with you, but to, I have I have a point for Josh and a point for, for Clint's uh Point of view here so i'm going to take both sides of this argument one i agree with you josh that like the the randomization does kind of hurt the it, it hurts the movie-esque aspect of it by like making those random sort of nonsensical things appear in the game 
um, which I agree, I don't I don't approve of. Like I like when every detail is well crafted. Like if I happen upon an item, there's a reason it's there. Like maybe there's a farmer that always use his hunting rifle and his fucking badass hunting rifle is in his barn or something like that right i like that about left for dead too because they had the band you were following around and you heard their songs throughout the overworld and you saw all of the writing on the wall that told a story about the other survivors in left for dead too none of that's in back for blood and that's okay like you said clint this is a much better game at getting you to talk to people um yeah. i think there's something really valuable about a, a multiplayer game that like actually does make you be on a team with people who you need to talk to to, to get something done. <laughs> Very yeah. true. And I, we didn't talk about this at all, but they did a really good job of... So this is cross-play, so people could be playing this on, I believe, PC, Xbox, or PlayStation. And oh, back yeah, that's just huge. Yeah, back when Left 4 Dead came out, that was not even a thing. Like, you could play this on PC. Even, like, five years... Not even five years ago, like, a couple years ago... Everybody was kind of isolated on their own little silo of whatever they were playing it on. They did a really good job of in-game matchmaking and having their own ecosystem within, uh, I almost said Left 4 Dead, within Back 4 Blood. <laughs> uh, and e- even to the point of, of in-game chat, like yep. they know that it's super important for you to play co-op and they gave you every tool you needed, regardless of platform, to get that done. I agree with that. They did an excellent job with crossplay. Yeah, this yeah. must have been a Herculean task to get like all of those different aspects and integrations configured for literally every modern platform that I mentioned at the top of this podcast. And I played this on Xbox Game Pass for PC. You played it on PS5, I think, Clint. Josh, yep. I think you played it on Steam. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, like we literally would not have played this game if they didn't have all of those integrations. <laughs> no, so. and I know games that we've had to make that work where like, it's like a whole, remember me, me and you and Joe playing Halo the other night? That was a fucking nightmare. That, that was a to, mess. Yeah. yeah, it took us five minutes to get the voice chat. Not once did we have that problem in this game. It was immediate. We were all on different platforms and we were immediately chatting the second we joined the game, which took all of five seconds. It was great. Yeah, mm-hmm. um, to, to that point, Halo Infinite is in beta at the time of this recording, so... Um, Microsoft, uh, get your act together. You've got two weeks. Kingdom comes with a ball and chain. Ah.